Hello there, and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Rich Allen and Jeremy Smith. The Coupe de la Ligue saw Ligue outside enter the fray on Tuesday night, came out with their heads held high, who was by lowly opposition. All of that, and a look ahead to the league and weekend after the latest headlines. So the Coupe de la Ligue did see some surprise results, but we'll start on Tuesday night, which was an all league affair with not stopping Montpellier's nine winning, well, nine game unbeaten streak with a 3-0 victory over Le Payard. Pedro Mendes saw a red card in the game as Koulibaly, Juarez and Emiliano Sala all scored for Le Canary. In the other game, in the evening, Strasbourg beat high-flying Lille 2-0, thanks to Yusuf Fafana and Dimitri Leonard, as Lille made many changes to have a bit of a chance of their game against Paris Saint-Germain on Friday night. On Wednesday, plenty of sides managed to just about sneak through to the next round. Nice needed um, to rely on goals from the double from Remy Voltaire to beat Auxerre 3-2, who saw uh, Jean Marcelin sent off in the last few minutes. Uh, Le Havre beat Le Trois in a Ligue 2 clash as Dijon finally started scoring goals again as they won 3-1 against Caen. Gangomp needed penalties in a goalless draw against Angers. Uh, Amiens managed to eventually sneak past Metz 2-1. Uh, while the two big upsets happened in the final two games, as in uh, Orléans beat Ras on penalties after a one-all draw, while Toulouse continued to struggle as they lost 1-0 to Ligue 2 side Lorient. The other game uh, that was supposed to be played this midweek between Nîmes and Saint-Étienne was called off and postponed for a later date due to heavy rain. And that's all for now, but um, for all the latest in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week straight into the league and previews, and we've got five great games this weekend for you with teams competing both at the top and bottom of the table. And we're going to start with Friday night's game because it's a humdinger, Rich, is the best way to really describe this one. It's between top and second as Paris Saint-Germain host Lille. It's a real test for Lido, but let's concentrate on the lead leaders to start off with who have 33 points. They have a goal difference of plus 33, 11 wins out of 11, a league and record and even a European record matching that one of Tottenham Hotspur that they set several years ago. But the big news coming out of the club today is, or out of the last couple of days at least, is Angel Di Maria has signed a new contract that will run for another couple of years. It's a, a good move for what you could arguably say, and it might be controversial in some circumstances, although he is the top assist maker in Liga at this moment, he possibly one of their best players so far this season. Absolutely. I think if you look at the calendar year especially, um, he's he's really stepped up his game. Um it's 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 great to see you know we know that he's got it in him um but yeah no he's he's I, I don't think there's there's too much argument about it that certainly as i say the calendar year um the the sort of key contributions that he's provided to the team have been hugely vital i mean you only have to go back to the the last champions league game and that that excellent goal to to salvage a salvage a point at home to napoli yeah it's a 
terrific result for, for Paris Saint-Germain to keep him hold, although I don't think they were thinking about really yeah. selling him, but focusing, I suppose, refixing to, towards the game that's going on on Friday night. And it's, it's going to be a real test for Paris Saint-Germain. They, they've have done some great results recently. They obviously won Le Classique last weekend. They they powered through that Lyon game with a, a great 20-minute spell from Mbappe pulling them through. But if if anything, Lille are the form team in Liga other than themselves. It's going to be a real water test to see not just where Lille are, but exactly how Paris Saint-Germain are going to fare against a team that, compared to the other two, are a great counter-attacking side and with the dominance that Paris Saint-Germain tend to be, have on the ball and also the fact that um, they can be a little bit caught out in defence, it, it will be probably maybe their sternest test so far in a domestic um, capacity, at least anyway, Rich. I, I would suspect so. I mean, certainly this is a real team that's going to come to the Parc de Prince with, with no fear. They're coming full of confidence. Um, you know, as you say, they are, you know, at the very top of their form. Um, they've got individual players who are playing some of the best football we've seen from their their careers to date. Um, you know, they've got a manager who's who's sort of been there, done that, and um, in, in Gautier. So everything's set up that you think, yeah, you know what, Lille are going to put up a very, very stern test for PSG. Um, you know, you look back over recent history and that would, that would perhaps rubbish that claim, but this is certainly a different Lille. You know, obviously the, the Lille of... The last couple of years have been perhaps the Lille that have have slightly struggled. We then go, you know, the sort of iteration before that, and it was a very defensive, very stoic Lille side. This is a this is a completely different Lille side now. This is a a Lille side where, dare you say it, you, you're almost back to the style of play when they won the title. Um, you know, it's a very attack-minded, very direct um, style of play built on a solid foundation. But, you know, that, that trio of players that we've spoken about so often this season, Pepe, Kone and Bamba, um, you know, will cause um, the PSG defence a huge amount of problems. We're still not 100% sure whether uh, Tuchel will, will maintain his, his three-man defence. Um, you know, Kimpembe will be out due to, due to suspension. Doesn't look like Thiago still is going to quite be fully fit yet. So... Bearing in mind how well that three-man defence looked, and certainly I think you look at the likes of Era, I think he certainly plays better in a three-man defence. Uh, Stanley and Socky excelled um, in, in that similar formation in, in the Classique last weekend. Um, and certainly it allows you to get the likes of Bernat and, and Mounier on, on either flank to, to get that get forward that little bit more. Um but you know this. This is a Lille side. As I say, they're they're not going to come to the to the park frightened, scared, worried about how many uh, PSG are going to score. This is a Lille side that should be coming. They're going to be full of confidence. They're going to be should be out of the traps pretty much straight away. They're not going to, you know, we've not really seen it this season either. They're not going to just sit there and allow PSG to to come onto them. That's that's not that's not how this Lille team plays. Um, Conversely, of course, it's obviously a huge test for Lille. It's their biggest test so far. But, you know, they've been thrown tests already this season. You know, they've, they've faced Saint-Etienne, they've faced Marseille, um, and pretty much blown them out of the water in both games. Um, I think the only thing to say with Lille may be is the last, obviously, we sort of write off the, the Coupe de la because of the changes that were made. But the last couple of league games um, against Dijon, against Caen, They've perhaps not quite been at their best. 
Um, it's certainly shown a different side of Lille. It's shown that Scrappy you know, will play poorly but still come away with a three-point star, which is great. Um, but that's perhaps the one slight worry for Lille. Um, but to look back to PSG, of course, they've got a massive, massive Champions League game um, next week that surely some of those players, and, and Tuchel himself, is going to have one eye on. So I think it's important that if, if there's any sense of that from any of the PSG players or from Tuchel, that Lille really do look to exploit that. And focusing again on Lille, Jess, um, it, they've had a, a great run of it. Six wins out of the last seven is, is no mean feat, really. And they've a couple of 1-0 losses this season that will give them a little bit annoyed, but they'll be delighted they're, they're in second. This is a, a real test for them again. But at the same time, they've put a little bit of pressure on themselves, having rested some players in midweek and obviously gone out of the Coupe de la Ligue. So their focus is quite clearly on trying to build on what they've started in Liga. And this is a great opportunity to do that. Is, is, is there a pressure on them? Or does he, do you feel like for Galtier's side, this is maybe a game with, with no pressure on them to, to try and express themselves? I don't think there's too much pressure. Um, obviously, the the fact that they started the season so well that they they want to sort of maintain their good form and and more than that, probably maintain the aura that they've been building up and the sort of fear factor for other teams that are, that are, have been facing them and are due to face them in the near future. But you know, the fact is that any team arguably playing PSG full stop, but certainly playing them in Paris are not going to go into the match um, expecting expecting to to win. Um, you know, possibly a draw on a, on a good day and if PSG had a very bad day. But I don't think they should be putting too much pressure on themselves. I guess that you know, the, the, obviously the worst thing that can happen is you know, a real mauling. But even then, you know, Lyon came away with a, with a 5 nil defeat after... Uh, you can sort of read it both ways. That you know, terrible that, that they lost by so many after competing for, for a good hour of the match, but at the same time they were able to compete. So I think um, I don't think if if Lille come away with a defeat, I don't think it will be too disappointing. I think that the crucial thing for them is to is to sort of keep up all the good things that they've been doing this season, so that so that they can sort of come away and you know that I think the next couple of matches are uh, winnable uh, home to Strasbourg and away to Nice before they run against Lyon. Um, they just want to maintain all the confidence that, that they've built up within their squad and yeah, possibly the, the sort of um, trepidation that, that other teams will, will now start to feel facing them. Um, they'll just want to make sure that they're still, they still come across as one of the best of the rest if, if you want. Absolutely. So let's get some predictions in this one. I'll start with you, Rich. What do you think the score will be in this one? Um, I'm going to perhaps be slightly bold here and, and, and hope for a really excellent game. And I'm going to go for a two-all draw. Jez? Um, I'm going to be even bolder. Um, I just think this could be so open because I'm still not convinced about either team's defence. Um I mean, it's kind of wishful thinking, not in terms of the result, but in terms of the entertainment factor. Um, I think it could be a goal fest. I'm going to say 4 to PSG. I think this definitely has goals written all over it, really. You think of um, 
those three great, um, interesting young attackers for um, Lille against the inexperience of the back line with so many injuries really there as well. And then you think of the other way around of Mbappe and Neymar against uh, Jose Font, which would give most people nightmares really more than anything. Um, I, I think it'll be 3-2 Paris Saint-Germain. It's hopefully going to be a really exciting game, but do tune in on Friday night because it's going to be a, a top matchup. It really is going to be. Uh, on to um, another game between sides with sort of middling as Leon take on Bordeaux and just this week for Leon at least anyway it's been a bit of a funny one with the Memphis Depay story sort of coming out with him saying after the uh, the game against Angers where they won 2-1 thanks to his assist and a goal although he's maybe exasperating what is essentially an open goal and a, a pass across to to a player in an open space. Um, but he said he needs more respect um, shown to him. He should be starting every game because he is a quote-unquote uh, sort of star player. Um, Bruno Genesio had the confidence to to uh, to call him out on that bluff um, in, in, uh, in very emphatic style. So if you do get a chance to read it, folks listening at home, it is great stuff he he says i do apologize to memphis to pie for turning up for training late for um being lazy etc etc it's a very spicy one shall we say um what do you think to the comments coming out i mean is this the old arrogant style of memphis coming back into the fray but does he have a point with him scoring so many goals and and filling the stat sheets as he has over the the last couple of months i mean a lot of united fans would point to that a little bit but at the same time what we regularly say his performances maybe haven't quite matched up to that so is he right is genesio right to call him out i think genesio is definitely in the right i mean i one one interesting thing that i saw from a leon fan which which possibly is is um a slight worry is that um someone called out um i think it was bill Algazi who first um talked about all, all the all the stuff about memphis Pi and genesio uh, and said you know perfectly well that there are lots of tensions in the leon changing room but this isn't one of them which is a slight concern if there's other things going on there as well but I think that Genesio handled it very well. I think he put the pie in his place, which is quite right. No one's bigger than bigger than the team, but you know, if even Mbappe and Neymar, maybe Neymar is, but if even Mbappe isn't PSG, is to all very effectively um, pointed out at the weekend, then certainly the pie isn't isn't bigger than Neon. Um, and I think hopefully in the in the long run, it would be a good thing for Genesio because obviously his authority has been questions are undermined enough times so i think this is quite a strong statement on his part and if there's the other rumors are true that um a lot of the the other players are, are getting a bit tired with with the pies antics then there's another good move by genesio to hopefully bring the other players a little bit closer to him and um, i think as he said that the pie finished last season fantastically um to me it's what what i always call the mark viduka effect which is Know, approaching any transfer window or any of the contracts or something, suddenly he remembers he's a professional footballer and puts a bit of effort in. Um, I think the pie was clearly angling for a big summer move and suddenly decided to, to put in a shift and proved what a good player he is. But I don't think that's ever been in dispute. It's always been um, his attitude and his motivation. And I think um, up till now this season, actually, if you look at his league apple, it's not that impressive. And um, I don't think that he was in such a position of strength for Malvo. Um, 
even against Hoffenheim, and you know, even though he scored, you know, criticizing his teammates for not holding on to a lead, he had a pretty bad first half as well. So uh, I, I think he's on very dangerous ground, and in in a way, it could play to Leon's advantage because it, it could sort of push the the rest of the team closer together. And even from the Pies' point of view, it could sort of make him even more um, adamant that he is the main man, and maybe he'll try a little bit harder to prove it. So it's a bit of a knife edge. It could go either way. It could cause more problems there. Um, they always seem sort of close to a crisis, but um, I don't think it should affect them too much going into the next game. Yes, yeah, certainly going to be an interesting one really it's yeah i don't think he's the main man i think there's someone maybe on the injury table that might uh, claim to that at least anyway when he returns but they do have an interesting game at the weekend against bordeaux rich it, uh, since uh since the replacement of uh gus poye and a uh, new man coming into the helm in uh in, in, in into the frame it's it's been it's been mixed but it has got worse recently they they've lost three of the last um three of the last uh, four or in fact four of the last five really in all competitions um including obviously the the sort of shambles they've been in the Europa League but a lost to Montpellier who are on a good run but the loss to Nice was a bit disappointing last week they haven't quite picked up where they sort of were in in, in mid September where they started to to turn the corner especially the game against Lille but they're a little bit hard to predict at the moment, aren't they, Bordeaux? You can't really tell which style and which form of leisure Dan is going to turn up. Uh, yeah, I mean they've got they've got the foundations of a, of a pretty decent team. When you actually look at their their strongest eleven, it's you know it's not too bad. There are some you know quality players there. You know they've got Costile, who's obviously a you know he's he's a he's a approaching veteran status, but still a, a very dependable goalkeeper. They've got Jules Koundé, who's a you know he's a very promising young defender. They've got um, you know Sankare, who on his day is a is a pretty bullish midfielder. They've they've brought in Yang Caramo on loan, who seems to have hit the ground um, almost running, um, and it's certainly nice to see him back. Uh, they've got Jimmy Brion, who's who's not going to set the world alight. But he's a pretty, you know, pretty pretty dependable sort of mid-table striker and and then you've got Francois Cameron who's a he's, he's arguably a bit of an enigma really you know on his day he's he's terrific to watch but um he's still perhaps a little bit unpredictable um they just can't seem to string a consistent run of performances together where you know from front to back they're all on their a game um so much of their success this season has relied on on uh, on Cameron um, you know, he scored over half their goals this season so far. Uh, so there is a worrying reliance on him when he himself can't necessarily be relied upon for, you know, as I say, a consistent run of form. Um, but certainly, as I say, the, the sort of bare bones are there. And I think under um, under Rolando, they, uh, Ricardo, sorry, they've got to, um, you know, he's got to now work on, so how, how do I get these players to play together Play at their best, um, you know, and, and put together. The, um, you know, they have put in some pretty, you know, some pretty good performances this season. You know, they they're one of um, I think one of only two teams to beat beat Lille this season. 
Um, you know, they were they were pretty comprehensive in beating Mont a few weeks ago. Uh, they were they were relatively unlucky in the Nice defeat. Um, you know, I, I don't think they necessarily deserve to come away from that with a defeat. Um, yeah, in Europe they've been a, a huge letdown. Um, but Bordeaux in Europe at the, you know, in recent times just don't seem to be a happy mix. They are the classic team that spend, you know, 38 weeks trying to qualify for the Europa League, then don't bother with the Europa League to concentrate on qualifying for the Europa League. They are the absolute epitome of that. Um, but, you know, it's it, they're such a frustrating team. You know, they've got so much potential in and around that club. You know, they've got the stadium, they've got the history, they've now got the, you know, sort of the the, the financial backing, they've got some very good players. Um, it, 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 we seem, it's sort of a, uh, it's felt like a bit of a, um, uh, you know, we've repeated this so often that something just needs to click at Bordeaux and then they can become, you know, a team that could genuinely challenge for, you know, top five, maybe top four. Um, but and, until until that happens, they remain one of the league's most frustrating teams to watch because they just, you've just no idea what Bordeaux are going to turn up. Um, you know, they, they could turn up <laughs> against Lyon and they could, they could completely dominate them and they could come away with all three points. But simultaneously, they could also come away on the end of a 5-0 thrashing. Um, they're just so difficult to predict. Yeah, I'm sure that frustrates the fans as much as it does ourselves. Let's get some predictions then, and I'll start with you this time, Rich. What do you think the score will be in this one? Um, well, following on from that, very difficult to predict this one. I I do think um, I do think that the uh, the form that Leon are in will give them the edge. So I think Leon will win this. Um, I'm going to go with a three-one Leon win. Jess? Uh, I was going to go for the same score, so just to be different, I'll, I'll keep the same margin. I'll say 2 0 to the Yeah, I, I think it might be a little bit close. I think it'll be a 1 0 victory for Leon. They still seem a, a little bit dysfunctional within games. They don't quite accelerate away from teams at the moment. I think that's the problem. It, it haunted them against Hoffenheim. They only really got that 2-0 victory against Neem in the last minute and they sort of had to power through even with Andre down to 10 men for a long period to to eventually get that victory. So I think it may just be a, a sneaky 1-0 win for the host. So on to our next game now and, and a game that if you were to ask me, um, we did, a lot of people did ask me about three weeks, about a couple of months ago, that uh, Dijon versus Neem would have been one of those games I circled because it, it would have been full of goals a couple of months ago. But for both teams, it's dried up considerably. And starting with Dijon, Jez, it's been a pretty awful time of it, really. They'll be glad they got that 3-1, excuse me, result at in midweek at least because the while the 2-2 draw at Monaco was maybe a sign of, of better things um, recently at least they haven't won since week three <coughs> against Nice since then they've had a, well, a terrible run of it really there's um, six defeats and uh, two draws a lot of, of missed opportunities for goals they've had three games well, five games in fact where they've they've not managed to score a goal 
are you a little bit worried about Olivier Delolio's side in the fact that they have struggled to score goals this season a little bit more than, than last season when they were so free-flowing? Or do you think maybe the, the couple they've got against Monaco and the three in midweek that maybe they're getting the track to running again? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, the old thing about form is temporary class is permanent. Maybe class is a little bit strong for Dijon, but I do think they've got um, a very talented set of players there, and whereas they they may not have an absolute out and out um, scorer, and you know, the fact that Tavares is out hasn't helped them because he, he certainly has developed into their talisman. Um, I really think that they've got, as I said, a, a talented group there. Um, he's hopefully coming coming back into the, into the team, um, and yeah, I think the fact that they steadied the ship um, the last couple of matches. It was only a draw in Monaco, but I think they showed, you know, they showed character to, to come from a goal down, to, to lead for a while. Um, and, and as you said, just get back onto the score sheet for the first time in a while um, helps. And then three goals in midweek. No one's really sure how seriously anyone's taking the, the, the Coupe de la Ligue. So um, probably not too much would be read into it. But still, five goals in a week is definitely going to um, improve the mood there after after such a, a barren um, goal-scoring run. So, and, and, you know, it's not such a bad team to face at home if you're, if you're feeling a bit shaky because Nîmes has actually had very, very similar form in single game from, from three scorers to, to, to really struggling in front of goals. So um, I think Dijon should be heading into this match with, with confidence and with a bit more confidence than they've had recently because... I just, I just think that with the talent they've got on show, um, again, um, Nîmes' defence isn't exactly their strong point necessarily. <coughs> I think Dijon should at some point be able to get it together. So yeah, I, I don't think Dalio is particularly under threat at the moment. I just think that um, sort of on the foundations that they built last year and the good start to the season, you'd have been expected them, expecting them to kick on, which they haven't been doing, which is which is a real pity, but I don't yet think that we're talking you know, relegation candidates or, or Delalio's job being on the line. Yeah, I think he's earned just about a good enough goodwill to, to last for a fair amount. As for Neem, Rich, it's been pretty dreadful for them. I feel sorry because they've had two Friday night games recently and they've, they went four games without a goal until they managed that goal against uh, Saint-Étienne. But it felt like in those Friday night games, it wasn't for the lack of trying really. You'd see Buanga and, and, and uh, Buzox did a great assist for the, for the goal that did go in um, last week. And Tubes had a couple of great games as well, despite the sort of fact that they've not got anything in this score sheet but again they're another side that it just feels like maybe that one game with a couple of chances that do go their way for a change and all of a sudden they might start picking up uh, picking up the results again yeah exactly right i think with neem it's as you say the, the the performances are not are not poor you know they're not they're not playing badly um they're just not taking their chances um you know they've been um, you know, relatively fortunate in in aside from games at, at Montpellier and Lyon, um, certainly in the last uh, sort of month and a half. Um, aside from those two games, which are always going to be very tricky games, they've not. Although they've not scored, they've not really conceded either. You know, you take out those two games, and that in that run since they they drew at Monaco, uh, 
Um, I think that's four games. Um, they've scored two, conceded two in those four games. So it's 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 it is it is a fine balance with Neem because you know of course we say oh all it's going to take is one or two chances for them to be taken, and all of a sudden they're converting those one point three, one point draws to three point wins. But of course it, it works the other way as well, and all it they, all it takes is for you know opposition to to take one or two extra 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 chances and those draws suddenly become defeats um you know it was a you know the the game against Santitian was a perfect example of their recent form they played really really well but just struggled to take take those chances now against Santetienne one all draw not a bad result but you're coming into a game against someone like Dijon who uh, you know themselves are not in particularly good form either, and you know you need to be taking your chances. You know you really need to be looking at these games, thinking, okay, you know we're playing really well, but let's really, really look at, at, at converting some some efforts here because we do need to start converting these draws to wins. We do because you know the longer it goes on, that they're not winning games it starts to wear a bit thin that we talk about them playing well, but just not quite having that, that little bit of quality and it starts to become a real, real concern. Um, you know, there are some, there are some good players in that squad and, and, you know, it's credit to Blackheart that he's got, you know, they started off so well. That's all, that's almost been the problem is you look at those first two games, you know, they had that epic game at, at Angers when they came back in the, the dying moments to win four, three away. Um, then of course the the you know the superb performance to to beat Marseille at home, and you know they they put in a good a put in a, a pretty good half hour forty minute shift against PSG. Since then they've sort of ridden off the back of that a little bit, and maybe there was a bit of overconfidence, and that's allowed them to perhaps take their foot off the pedal, which might explain. The lack of of um, of chance conversion, um, but you know this will be a very tight game. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a particularly pretty game. I think it's going to be a pretty gritty, a gritty affair. I don't. We don't see it being particularly high scoring. Yes, Dijon have have, have found their net in in uh, you know in, in midweek, and then they netted two away at, at Monaco last week. Um, I don't necessarily see this as Dijon turnaround. Their form at home this season has been a complete shadow of last season's form. You know, they were so, so strong at home last season. And this season, it's just, it's disintegrated their home form. I think they've already lost as many home games this season as they did all of last season. So certainly I think Neem can come in thinking, we are playing well, Um but, you know, let's focus on now really taking those chances because if they do, there's every chance here that they could come away with all three points. Mm, yeah, and it's uh, going to be a tight one, really, which is going to make the predictions pretty hard. But I'm going to go for for a nice explosive 2-2 draw. They're, they're both uh, they're both a little bit unlucky in front of goal at the moment, but at the same time, they're not particularly great defensively. So I think they might give each other enough chances to actually score goals and it, it will end up in a in a draw. Jess, uh, um, what do you think in this one? Um, I think this will be the sign that Dijon come good. Um, I mean, I, I agree with Rich, just as I said, that um, Dijon will be pleased to, to be facing a team like Nîmes. I suppose Nîmes can say the same thing. But I, I think Dijon will just come out on top 2-1. 
Rich? Um, I'm going to be the slight pessimistic one here. I'm going to go for a, a lower scoring draw. I'm going to go one all. Let's hope that they, they both can be the entertainers that we were sort of praising at the start of the season. And they've maybe gone on a rocky patch, but it'd be great to see them um, flying at it again. But we'll wait and see. Uh, on to the games in Sunday. And there's two interesting affairs, but we'll get to um, a real exciting clash that goes on Sunday night later. That's focused first on, on Saint-Étienne versus Angers. Two sides that are fighting at other ends of the table at the moment, although Angers have picked up a little bit, but it's so close in that sort of mid-table to even around about 18th at the moment that you can't really separate them for much. Jez, Angers, they, they got off to a terrible start to the season, really. They lost the first three games, but since then they've sort of picked up results here and there, but they haven't now won in the last four that coming against and that 1-0 victory away to Monaco. Again, Similar to last season, they, they keep drawing games that maybe they should have nicked wins from. Again, again against Strasbourg, against Raz, they'll be disappointed that they couldn't stick it with it and get the three points. But last week as well, they, they managed to nick a result despite sort of, if anything, really having a, a gluttony of chances in their first 30 minutes against Leon, where they could have maybe had a, a good lead before. And uh, Traore, the captain, got got sent off. What do you think about um, Moulin's side this season? It, it's, it's been a sort of rocky road so far, but do, do they have enough about them to, to be a mid-table side again, or, or are you worried <coughs> that their form again is, is allowing them to sort of slide slowly towards a potential relegation battle? Uh, I don't think they're quite at that stage yet. I, I think they've got a really good, solid side for sort of two-thirds of the pitch. I think you know, they've got a relatively settled defence which just um, you know, included um, a couple of the players that, that had that really great defensive season the, the year that they went up for their, their first year in Liga. Um, I, I think they've got some talented midfielders Santa Maria and Fabini are two of the more underrated players in Liga, and they do have um, attacking players who have their moments like, like Tate and Capel but I just, you know, as solid as they are, and I think they're always going to be tough to break down. Um, the concern, I think, is that unlike last year, they, they don't have a, a, an extremely reliable goal scorer. Um, and I think that, again, this, the, the same way that, that um, Rich alluded to with Nim, um, I think too many of these draws are going to um, either remain draws or turn into narrow defeats because they, they, they struggle a little bit to put the ball in the net. Um, 13 goals so far isn't, compared to a lot of the teams around them, isn't the worst return in the world. But um, again, that, those draws with a Tokai Kambi up front could easily have changed. That, that match against Lyon, as you said, they, they, with, with a little bit more of a sort of clinical attitude in front of goal, they could, they could have already been a goal or two up before Lyon got their act together. So... Um, I think they could sort of leave quite a few points on the wayside just because they don't have someone to finish the chances that they make. But at the same time, I don't think they'll be in relegation danger just because I think, um, as I said, for, for sort of two thirds of the pitch, I do think that they're, they're a really strong outfit. They just you know, know each other's strengths, play well as a unit, and, and they're difficult to, to get past. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a strange one, really. That I, I always thought that signing Bahokan in the in the summer was a bit of a risk compared to some of the other strikers that were being bounded about. It's, it hasn't really hit the ground running as as he did at, at Strasbourg, and even then he didn't score a great amount of goals. Then it seemed a bit of a, a risky one. But they do like having a flyer yeah, on a random quality grad. versus quantity. He scored yeah. one goal against PSG, and everyone just remembers that. Yeah, <laughs> and we know that RJ do like taking a flyer on a striker, at least anyway, who's who's been in pro form. You think of uh, Crivelli a couple of years ago as well. Now is they do try to maybe think too far outside the box almost sometimes when trying to sign players. And another side, um, Rich, that's again, a little bit confusing. They had a great end to September, Lever, in, in the wins against Colwyn, Toulouse and Monaco, three wins in a row. Then they had that sort of humbling sort of result against Lille. Since then, it's been two draws. Again, they, they might feel like they should probably should have got more out of the game against Rennes, but at the same time, if Hatem Ben Arthur gets his um, penalty a little bit further inside the post, then they lose that game against Nîmes as well. They had chances. They went up in front within about 35 seconds but again they allowed Neen to slowly creep back into the game and in the second half in fact Le Crocodile could have nicked that one as well what, what do you think to their form at the moment they're, they're starting to they start the season with sort of good attacking flair and we're scoring a good amount of goals in that sort of September mix but since then they've slowly sort of dried up the team isn't quite playing at the same fluidity at least they've got plenty of options but they're just maybe falling into old habits again aren't they yeah, I think the the defeat at Lille has knocked them. I think they they went into that game, you know, rightfully full of confidence. They they'd had a aside from uh, the their usual performance in Paris, they'd had a really good start to the season. Were playing some really good football. Um, went to Lille and were, were frankly taught a little bit of a lesson by Lille in in how to play attacking football. You know, Lille were very very good in that game, and and since then it's sort of the stuffing's been knocked out of Saint Etienne. They've sort of um, sort of retreated into their shell a little bit, it feels. You know, they haven't, the last two games just haven't been the same Saint Etienne we saw prior to that Lille game. They have been quite reserved. They haven't got that confidence that they were playing with before. They don't have that, that almost swagger. You know, they, when you look at their, certainly the, you know, some of the, the, the players that they have at their disposal in, in attack, you know, in, in Cambella. Uh, in, in Salibur, in Kazri, of course, you know, they are really, really talented players. Um, and on their day are, you know, three of them capable of changing the game. Um, but all three of them, I think, have just retreated into their shells as well a little bit, um, which which falls us and brings us back to, you know, the Saint-Étienne of, of the Galtier era of, it, you know, them having to depend on that defence. You know, as a, as a starting eleven. You know, from from front to back, there are a few teams I think that that please that are pleasing. I think on the eye, as the Santetian side, you look at that defence. It's a really solid defence. Really good players. They got Mvia. They got Selnas just in front of them, both of whom are playing terrifically. And then, as I mentioned, you've got Kazri, you've got Cabelli, you've got Salaber in front of them, and 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 Luis Dioni, uh, leading the line. You know, as a starting eleven, that's a that's a really strong starting eleven. Um, there are a few teams in the league I think that can compare with that. So the pressure is on Gasset uh, to 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 talk to his team now, to to sit them down and, and discover. You know, yes, we lost that game in Lille, but 
Let's learn from it. We can't, we can't go, you know, we can't carry on putting in performances we've had in the, the last couple of weeks. We know that we can play this really attack-minded, you know, easy on the eye, effective football, because they did for all those weeks prior to that Lille game. Um, so he's he's got to get through to his players, he's got to to get that mentality put back to what it was. We're not we're not talking months ago. You know, we're only talking you know, at the end of end of September. So it's it's a matter of four or five weeks ago. Um, so it's it's really on on now, I think, to 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 work with his players. Um, you know, they've got two games now, which you know on paper are are very winnable games. They've got Angers at home, they've got uh, Rams at home before. Um, you know the, the the big Rome derby uh, against Lyon uh, at the end of the month. So they've got two games really to get it right um, because, you know, they're not going to be wanting to play as they have been playing the last two weeks going into that game against Lyon. Um, so, I'm you know, I'm expecting a bit of a reaction. Um, I'm expecting it this game. Certainly I'm expecting it next week against Rome. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm full of expectation for Saint-Étienne that they will turn this round. Yeah, it seems more like a blip than anything. They they definitely have got something more about them this season than they they had last season. Let's get some predictions, and I'll I'll start with you this time, Jez. What do you think the score will be in this one? Um, I think Saint-Étienne will come back to form and win it relatively easily. I'll say two 0 Saint-Étienne. Rich, uh, I'm going to go with another three-one this time. Three-one Saint-Étienne. Yeah, I think it's going to be a relatively comfortable one for Santos. Yeah, I think it'll be 2 0. Not really convinced by Angers. They've not really got the explosion. And with Traore being um, suspended, obviously, since that red card, he's their top scorer and captain and, and their defensive maestro as well. At the same time, they may be a little bit weaker for, for that one and they might come on stuck against Leve. On to the final game this weekend and a pretty big one for, for both sides really in essence it's Montpellier host Marseille and, and we were talking about Montpellier briefly on on uh, Mon- well, Monday's pod Rich that um, they've had a, an excellent run of games recently they obviously lost the, the game it's not in midweek but I don't think that'll matter very little to them really because this is the big game finally Montpellier face one of the bigger contenders really than they've been building up ahead of steam up to it really they obviously won the derby against Nîmes relatively comfortably 3-0 they had that little blip with a draw against Gangon but a good win against Bordeaux a strong win against Toulouse as well this is their chance to show exactly how far they've come at least anyway it's the Marseille side that may be a little bit reeling still from Le Classique but certainly the calibre of opponent they want to measure themselves up against on their current run of form exactly um at the start of the season, when we looked at Montpellier's summer transfers, um, I mentioned that that in Andy Delors and Gaetan Laborde, you know, they they brought in two on their day very good players. It was just that their day was not consistent enough. Um, you know, I have now, <laughs> so far anyway, been proved wrong because both are in terrific form. Um, Delors hit five goals. Laborde has hit four goals. Both are looking really dangerous. Both are looking on top of their game. Both, perhaps more importantly, especially with the law, are looking happy and and you know really really um, refreshed and re-energized on the on the field. So that's that's really good to see. You know we know 
both of them, but as I say, especially Delore, are capable uh, and, and and very decent goal scorers who just have that mindset that can drift, which can take their form with them. Um, so it's 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 great work for for Desikarian that he's got both playing so well. Uh, and it's, it seems strange to be talking about Montpellier as an almost free-scoring team, but you know you look at their recent performances and they are finding the net consistently and frequently. Um, you know we'll we'll move on to Marseille shortly, but you know we've spoken at great length about Marseille's one of Marseille's biggest problems is their lack of a focal point up front. You know what they what they would do for a you know this Andy Delore in in their team at this moment in time. You know they would they kill for that. Um, you know it's it's a it's been a really really impressive start for Montpellier. I didn't expect it. Certainly, um, you know it's been it's been built on that you know that very strong defence that we saw last season. But in in Laborde, in Delore, they've added goals which all of a sudden adds that new dimension to this team. You know, all of a sudden they can now perhaps start thinking, providing they they maintain that form, that front pair, they can now really start thinking about pushing on. You know, they were always going to be okay with that that defence. Um, you know, as crazy as it is to still be relying on a, you know, 40-plus-year-old in the defence in Hilton, he was still performing. The players around him were still performing. They've survived losing two keen players in Mukiele. Roussillon over the summer, they've survived that. They brought players in, they're still producing the goods in terms of maintaining that really tight defence. But as I say, now they've got goals as well, they become that bit more dangerous. Um, it's going to be one thing that would be interesting is there's going to be no Pedro Mendes. I think his partnership with Hilton has been, uh, you know, certainly since his move. Um, the previous summer to, to Montpellier, I think his partnership with Hilton has been really strong. And I think certainly at the start of this season, uh, they were arguably one of the pairs uh, of centre-backs that, that really shone the most. So putting Mendes through suspension could could, be, could play a part. Um, you know, will Hilton be able to pick up that relationship with a, you know, a, a, newer, a newer partner in the centre of defence? We'll have to see. Um but yeah, no, it's it's been a really impressive start for Montpellier, um, and you know it's it's going to be great to see how long they can keep this up. Yeah, because this is going to be their biggest test so far, certainly, Jess. But against their Marseille side, they'll be happy they've got Garcia under contract for a little bit longer, and we discussed that on Monday as well. But um, they'll certainly be wanting to bounce back after what, in the end, was at least a disappointing result against. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain, they still haven't broken that curse and it seems like they might struggle to eventually find a day where they, they will, but at the same time this is a great opportunity for them to get back on the horse and, and also pull one of those teams in, Montpellier, and I'm sure they want to look at Lille as well, back closer to them as they try to challenge these uh, Champions League places as well. Yes, I think it's it's become a big match for, for Marseille you know, at the moment, they're, they're three points behind Montpellier, obviously win this match and their and their their level and points and right back up there lose it and and that you know that's quite that's quite a big gap between the two. Um I think Marseille this season is pretty much what you'd expect Marseille to be um generally strong enough to beat the, the teams below them and, and struggling a bit more um against the teams of a of a higher quality. And you know, I think PSG they they kind of 
um, stood their ground for a lot of the match, but you had the feeling there wasn't enough belief there that they could even get a, a result or, or make a goal. And the, the real worrying one was against Lazio, where they, where they were really outplayed. So in a way, coming back here, even though it's away from home, I think they, they'll hope to sort of be on, on kind of more solid ground back against one of their, their peers or maybe a team that they consider sort of a lesser level to them, even though they're ahead of them on the table at the moment. And, you know, similarly to, to the recent away win at, at Nice, they'll, they'll, they'll be looking to, to get the result and sort of reassert themselves as, as one of the um, top sort of three or four, two or three teams behind PSG. But, you know, also talking about that Nice match, that for a lot of the match, Nice were, were, well, certainly the first half, Nice were the better team and Marseille were on the rack for quite a bit of it. Um, and, and I think that, you know, there's a possibility that that can happen again. As Rich said, Montpellier aren't known for their, for their attacking form, but um, at the moment, at least, the, the, the two up front are playing well. Um, you mentioned recently, I think Oyunga has been, has been fantastic in one of the revelations of the season so far at, at, at left back or as an attacking um, sort of left, left flank player. Um, and I think they could really pose Marseille problems. Um, as, as usual with Marseille, that there are some um, sort of gaps or um, certainly some questionable form in the in the defensive third. And the other problem is is up front um, against PSG. Neither Germain nor Mitroglou were even trusted to start, and Payet played there as a as a false number nine. Um, whose role actually was, you know, you could argue his role wasn't even as an attacking role. It was mainly to, to kind of try to press and stifle um, Verratti, which was a kind of, understandably, but a uh, sort of negative attitude to go into the match with. I think this one would be different. So I think Marseille have to um, go into this as, as I said, as the, as the, the team that are looking to assert their authority. I just think they may well struggle. Um, I think they will be helped by the fact that Mendes is out. If you look at Montpellier's results with and without Mendes, it's quite a, a stark um, sort of contrast. They're much better results when he's in the team. And I was very surprised that Hilton um, played in midweek. Um, you know, however fit he is for his age, he is still of that age, and you'd have thought he'd be getting a rest um, and sort of let off relatively early stage Coupe de la Ligue ties. Um, so it remains to be seen whether whether that will sort of play into Marseille's hands a little bit. Um, so, you know, they're, they're, there's reasons for Marseille to be hopeful, but they certainly shouldn't be, be cocky or anything coming into this match because Montpellier you know, conceded only seven goals all season. Um, they have added an attacking cutting edge as well. And, you know, that they're, they're they're in third place on merit. It's not because other other teams played badly. They they they've played well, and you know they haven't had too many really tough tests so far. As you said, this is this is one of the one of the big tests or the first test they've had this season. But for the most part, what they've done this season, they've done very well, and, and certainly they shouldn't be taken lightly. Yeah, certainly. It's going to be a really interesting one, given the the game they had last year as well, that was really entertaining as well, and. Montpellier just feel like a complete side, but this is their chance to sort of 
push this thing over the edge and I, I think they're going to do it. I, I, I think it's going to be an interesting game, but a, a 2-1 win for Montpellier in this one that sort of credits themselves of being maybe not a Champions League contender come the end of the season, but they're definitely going to be fighting for those European places. Uh, Jez, what do you think of this one? I was going to go 2-1 Montpellier as well. <laughs> Stick for that. I, yeah, I, I, I do think their defence can be got at, but there's just something about them this year and something about uh, Mandanda and Rami this year as well, but I think that they can, they can spit out score Marseille right now. Rich? Uh, I might as well make it a full house. I'm going to go 2-1 <laughs> to Montpellier as well. I think um, I just think they, they at the moment seem a bit more of a complete side um, than Marseille, and I, I just think too many times this season we're going to be, be talking about the fact that Marseille just have struggled to recruit that that quality centre forward and I think this will be another example of how that will be missed mm, Yeah, close your ears Marseille fans when you hear the prediction <laughs> next time, let's hope it, um, it's, it promises to be an exciting game but maybe this is a Montpellier's crowning moment at least for their first third of the season at least uh, that's all for this week my thanks to rich uh, jez and all of you listening at home uh, do join us for the main show again back on monday but for now enjoy your weekend of football